This is Carrie on with Kelly, the podcast where we unpack the stories of my travel, cancer, recovery, and self-discovery from one small bag. Welcome to episode three of season five. Today is February 12th, 2022. I am Kelly McVeigh. I am still in Campeche, Mexico. I'm getting very familiar with my surroundings, but yesterday I got a little cocky. I decided to walk to Walmart for my evening walk. Why Walmart? Obvious question, I know. I need to wash my hair in the morning. And as my hair is getting longer, this is the longest it's been since I was in Cambodia in the Bali period of my life. I'm starting to remember how unruly it gets sometimes. I love, truly love the unruliness But with the unruliness comes a need for hair care products. And that's something that I don't travel with. So if I don't do that, the unruliness can get a little overpowering. So the local pharmacias, which I have visited, don't have what I need. So I have walked to Walmart. I've done it before. Knew where it was. Um, Headed out after work. I've been working out of the hotel. I turn left on 57th Street. Right on 8th Avenue, where I'm staying is a perfect grid. I walk a bit on 8th Avenue, then I remember that I'm supposed to be on 10th Avenue. No problem. I'm walking, I'm listening to a podcast, and the walk seems to be taking a really long time. I've walked to Walmart before. I thought it only took about 20 minutes. I'm still walking. I pull out Google Maps. So Walmart is supposed to be on 43. 5th Street and 8th Avenue, I have walked on 10th Avenue to 35th Street. So I have by far surpassed Walmart. I got a little too sure of myself. Sometimes when you're on those grids, they just cause you to maybe forget where you're going. I, I'm sure this is common. I can remember at least three occasions When I was in Manhattan, after living there for a decade, I'd be walking down the street and you kind of glance over and you say, when did that restaurant open another location on that side of the street after you get off the subway and then you realize that you turned the wrong direction or you thought you were on the north side of the street instead of the south side of the street and you end up on 8th Avenue instead of 7th Avenue. It's happened. It's not a big deal. So I got to Walmart By this point, it had rained, it was late, so I decide to hail a cab. Oddly, when the taxi pulls up, there are two people in the front seat, which maybe that should have raised a concern, but I hopped in the back. They take me home, 40 pesos, so um, I'm getting pretty good at telling people where to drop me off. My hotel is technically at the corner of 59th Street and 14th Avenue. I can remember when I first moved to New York City, my first apartment was on 25th Street and 8th Avenue, which was kind of a sketchy avenue. Back then, I would always walk up to 7th to walk, and I was going to NYU, which we all know is in the village, and I didn't know anybody in New York. So when I got there, I would just start roaming the streets, and when you're on the grid, of course, you know how to walk home, but when I'd go down to NYU, I'd get myself completely turned around And I always knew my address. I was at 242 East, I think it was 242 West, 25th Street. That doesn't sound right. 
Anyway, I don't know the number, but it was on 25th Street and 8th Avenue. So I would, no matter where I was in Manhattan, knew to hail a cab and they would take me home. So I never worried about getting lost. And I, I've been doing that here as well. And it makes things a little easier. So this week, I watched the Super Bowl, which, you know, I think it's common knowledge that I, I love some football. So I watched the championship game, one of the championship games at this bar called Boston's, this sports bar. So I decided to go there to watch the Super Bowl. Didn't think I needed a reservation. And then I messaged them earlier in the day and they tell me they're not taking reservations, but I should get there early because they're not expecting to have enough seats. So I end up walking down to Boston's. I get there about like 20 till five. I'm an hour behind you, not you. I'm an hour behind New York. So 20 till five, the Super Bowl started at 6.30 East Coast time. I get there, there's people in line to get into Boston's. So keep in mind, Boston's is a pretty big restaurant Plus they have like a sports bar area, plus an outside patio, plus this back room I discovered. So there's plenty of seating and there's this line to get in. Even though I've been taking Spanish class twice a week, I am still not great at understanding. And I, I'm standing there. The woman asks how many. I say one. She goes in, looks around and comes back. And I believe she tells me there is only one table available and it's too big of a table for me, so she doesn't have anywhere to put me. I believe that's what she was telling me. I proceed to tell her that I will be ordering food and that I would really appreciate it if they found me a table to watch the game. Some people said some things that I didn't understand. She takes me, sits me at a four top, which I think makes sense. And I realized that there's really not a lot of empty tables. The ones that are empty are marked because of COVID that, that they're not um, open for occupancy. And then within a couple minutes, a couple tables got up and left and more people were seated. So I think she was telling me that I had to wait a couple minutes and I misunderstood. Anyway, I watched the Super Bowl. It was on a Mexican ESPN channel. I say that, but it's not always obvious when you're in another country. Sometimes they do get the US channels. The commentary was in Spanish. The commercials were local Mexican commercials. So I didn't get to see all the commercials that they showed in the States. Um, Bruce Willis was in one for a Tecate beer, which was the only kind of famous person I saw. But I did get to watch the halftime show, which isn't always the case when you watch an NFL football game out of the country. This was not my first Super Bowl in a foreign country. And the more I started thinking about things, this is actually not even my Super Bowl, my first Super Bowl listening in Spanish. So February 2020, I was traveling through Southeast Asia and I was in Cambodia. If you're curious on that story, season two, episode two of Carry On With Kelly will take you through that trip. There was a 12 to 13 hour time difference. So we had to be at the bar in Sam Reap by 6 a.m. Because the game was going to start at like 6.30 in the morning. I wanted to be there early, slept in a little bit, show up to the sports bar. It was called 
score. Pretty big sports bar. I had watched the Australian rules football final there one year uh, when I lived in Cambodia. I would go there to watch the Steeler Monday night and, you know, Sunday night football games. It would be on Monday morning or Tuesday morning. So I'd been to the sports bar before and I've seen people there, but I didn't expect to see a crowd for an NFL game. And it was wall-to-wall people. There was one seat left at the bar. And the big takeaway from that game is it was a pirated TV channel. So there was no commentary. All we heard was what the um, umpires were saying on the field. No commercials. So when a commercial was happening in the States, it was just a blank screen. And there was no halftime show. So it was kind of bizarre. But the commentary, since there wasn't commentary, when we were listening to the, the referees and the umpires, we at least understood those calls. I also watched the Super Bowl in Cambodia in February of 2018, small little bar that a friend of ours owned. I don't think anything eventful happened there. But my other Super Bowl in a foreign country, Spanish Super Bowl experience. It had to be 2000, which I had to look this up, but the Super Bowl in January 2000 was January 30th. So this totally tracks with where the story was going. I was still living in Pennsylvania. I was working in the mortgage industry and I worked for a company in Southern California, in Irvine, California. At this point, I was flying to California at the end of every month. In the mortgage industry, everything is based on monthly cycle. So they would fly me out to California at the end of the month to push all the loans through for month end. And then I'd often stay until like the first or second of the month to clean up all of the mess. And then I'd fly east. I managed mortgage processing on the east coast. So I'd work on the east coast the rest of the month and then fly back to the west coast. And I did this every month. Um in early 2000 or in early 99 until I moved to California. So Brad, we called him cute cousin Brad. He was living in Vegas at the time. It was a friend's cousin. He was my partner in her wedding a year or two before that. I was in Vegas in October of 99 for my mom's 50th birthday. And we hung out a few times That New Year's, which was the big millennium, 99, 2000, I met this friend and her husband and cute cousin Brad in Vegas, and we watched the ball drop on the street, like on the strip, in front of New York, New York. Anyway, that's a whole nother story. But so when I found out I was going to be in California over the weekend, he decided to drive out from Vegas to meet me. He had never seen the Pacific Ocean at the time. You know, we had grown up in Western Pennsylvania, so our ocean was always the Atlantic Ocean. So he comes out for the weekend. Saturday, we end up in Newport Beach, and he went into the ocean. I guess he thought it was going to be warm. It was a whole bizarre day. But we wake up on Sunday morning, and we decide that we are going to drive to Tijuana in my rental car. So this is a before you needed a passport to get into Mexico. So this would have been a time in my life when I had an expired passport. So we just drove into Mexico. 
This was B, before I knew that you needed special car insurance to drive any car into Mexico. And C, this is before I knew that you were not allowed to drive a rental car across the border. So at the time, the company always got me a rental car and it made sense. So we head off to Tijuana. So I was staying in Irvine, California. So let's go with it was a three hour drive. We end up in Tijuana, we park the rental car, we eat some good food. He brings a cooler of beer, so he's like drinking beer the whole way down there. We have a couple margaritas on the streets, we do a bit of shopping. We bought cigars. We were told they were Cuban cigars, and at the time I believed it. They probably weren't. And then we decide that we are going to find somewhere to watch the football game. So keep in mind time zone. The game probably started at five. We are walking down the street and there's a man standing in front of an establishment and he seems to be saying to us, please come into my establishment to watch the Super Bowl. We have margaritas. We have specials. So we go in. We belly up to the bar. We order a drink. We turn around and we are in the middle of this huge strip club. Yeah, um, I'm going to leave it at that for any of you that have been to some strip clubs in Tijuana. You'll understand where I'm going with that. The Super Bowl's on. It's broadcast in Spanish. This was a very new experience for me. At the time in my life, I, I had not traveled a ton out of the country. So this was a big shock. But this is the story of how I ended up watching the Super Bowl, drinking margaritas, and smoking Cuban cigars in a strip club in Tijuana. After the game, we drive across the border. By now, I have a cooler full of empty beer cans in the back of my car because Brad has drank them all. So I, I, I was concerned about crossing the border with the empty beer cans, but I don't remember being concerned about having drank margaritas. Um, the drive back was uneventful. We drove back to the Doubletree Hotel in Irvine, California, and I went to work the next morning. But it, even just typing this story out brought back such good memories. It's, it's used to be one of my favorite stories to tell about the time that I watched the Super Bowl in Spanish, drinking margaritas and smoking Cuban cigars at a strip club in Tijuana. Still laughing at myself. So that's a little bit about what I have done this week. I have plans this weekend to go to a UNESCO site called Ushmel, which is about a two-hour drive from here. I'm going to do that Saturday and Sunday. So hopefully I'll have lots of good things to share next week. And then on Monday, I'm taking a tour of a couple local small towns since Monday is a holiday for me at work. And going to a town where they teach you how to make Panama hats. I'm very excited about that. Uh, I will leave you with a fun fact about the Yucatan Peninsula. So this is something my guide told me the other day. The Yucatan Peninsula apparently got its name because Francisco Cordoba arrived in Campache in 1517. And the first person he encountered, the first Mayan he encountered, 
He said, you know, what do you call this place? The Mayan responded something that sounded like Yucatan. So that's how this became the Yucatan Peninsula. Cordoba thought that that was the name of the location. Apparently, the story was first recorded in a letter that Cortez, the famous explorer Cortez, sent to the Spanish crown in 1519. So even though there are a couple other fables about how the Yucatan Peninsula got its name, that one seems to be the most reputable. And on that note, I will say good night. Thank you for joining me for Carry On With Kelly, and I hope you'll join me next week as I continue to carry on.